0: Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we begin, I need to give some disclaimers. All of these stories are pretty disturbing. Some of them mention murder and some of them mention rape. So you've now been warned if you want to avoid those kinds of stories. This video is a dark one. Remember to stay safe and also remember to always stay on. I worked the overnight shift for a small organization for executive protection agents. Let's call the organization Black Tie Protection for the sake of this story. We're all ex-military police officers or highway patrolmen. In total there are about six of us full-time, and also a handful of part-timers. Essentially, we worked for a large-scale manufacturing company, but moreover, were personal armed guards for the owner and his family. They are a wealthy family in the small community, and with that, there becomes some troubles every once in a while, and that's where we step in. We ran 12-hour shifts, two guards per shift. My normal partner's name was Austin, but we all used his sign Coma. I know that seems weird, but long story short, this tough son of a bitch took a sniper round right in the helmet in his early service days and stood right back up to finish the fight only to pass out after the fighting had finished and he was actually in a coma for weeks before coming to again needless to say he's a good partner to have our normal shift consisted of one of us walking the empty building at night while the other sits at the guard station next to the owner's huge house watching the property as well as the video camera feeds. The first of the two stories happened about a year after I started. People say that things happen when you least expect it, and that's exactly what happened. We had been doing our normal rounds and joking back and forth over the radio, when I received a strange call over our secured radios. There was a slurred deep voice. Can anyone hear me? I clicked the radio with the response. Coma, Is that you messing with me?" He answered back quickly that it wasn't him. Then he said to whoever's on the line that it's a secure channel. After a few moments of silence, there was yet another strange call. It was the slurred deep voice again. Okay, good. You can hear me. I need you to help the person in the old house. I can't control myself for much longer. Then the radio goes silent. I immediately got back to the guard station, and both Coma and I tried multiple times to get whoever was on the radio to answer again, but there was no response. After a brief moment, the only old house we knew was the house that the owner had grown up in, and it wasn't that far off the property, and he keeps it out of nostalgia. We decided to go check it out. We got geared up and we jumped into the trunk, then drove over to the old property. Now, this isn't a run-down house by any means. It was a nice two-story house. It had a really big pool in the backyard, and it was very well kept. The first thing we noticed upon arriving was that the light that's usually left on in the upstairs room was off. There was an eerie stillness in the air. We made entry, and we started clearing the room one by one, and after what seemed like an hour of stress, we had finally cleared the entire house. Looking around once we regrouped, Confused Coma then said to me, Yeah, I think this was all just a prank. And just as we were about to leave, the radio cracked on again. Once again, the slurred deep voice, Oh no, it looks like you were too late. I guess it's a good thing no one uses the pole anymore then silence again we rushed down and we all looked at the pool but nothing getting frustrated and feeling played we were just about to leave when i had spotted the pool house door was a little cracked using hand signs i gestured guard up and moved towards the pool house upon getting to the pool house building we burst through the door our guns drawn to then find something that still haunts me to this day. There was a female, maybe 20 years old, and she was stabbed so many times it looked like her body was Swiss cheese. Upon finding her, I had rushed to her side while Coma held the position at the door. Now, I had combat medic experience, so I had tried to find a pulse, but I didn't find one. Upon laying her down to try CPR, I realized her head had almost been cut off. After gathering myself, I also realized there was a smile drawn in blood right on her face and the word almost written on her forehead. We called the police and we secured the scene the best we could. It took about two weeks, but we finally heard the sick person that had done this awful act was a known convict that had actually been released only days before. He had lured the poor girl into the house by claiming it was his. That drawn on smile still haunts me to this day. The second story isn't so graphic, but still equally terrifying. Now as the owner of a large company in a small area, the family I work for employs a ton of local people, and unfortunately. Sometimes those employees have to be let go for one reason or another. I would imagine leaving the ex-employees upset and feeling cheated. The family had went to Florida on vacation, and they left their house empty, which means that along with all of our other duties, we had to walk outside the house as well every hour. Now to explain this story, you have to understand the layout of the owner's house. It's a giant four-story house that can only be described as a mansion. The ground level floor is all an open huge living room. There's also a kitchen with two full bathrooms, a huge walk-in laundry room, and a basement. It's a full house on its own with another kitchen and three bedrooms, as well as a game room, and the top two floors are all bedrooms with a movie theater and a huge walkout balcony. It was about 1am when we got the first burglar alarm. We rushed to the house, but we didn't find anything out of order. The doors in the garage were still closed, no motion or lights. Now, this might seem like a huge red flag, but with the winds we experience, it's not uncommon for a false alarm, because the wind will push the doors, making the alarm think someone's trying to enter the house. After clearing the outside, we decided to call the owner. The owner answered, and he had been sleeping. I then said, Hey, sorry to call Soleil, but we got an alarm, and we wanted to know if you could pull up the cameras and check to see if anything looks out of the norm. After a few minutes of hearing him type into his computer, he said no, everything looked good, and it must have just been the wind again. That's what I thought, I answered, but I just wanted to make sure. He told us that he appreciated us calling and being vigilant about it, and he told us to have a safe night, then hung up. We went on about our business as usual for the rest of the night, that is until shift change was about to happen. It was about 5.45am and we got a motion detection alarm in the house. Now, this was a huge problem. Seeing a door alarm was one thing, but motion in the house wasn't something that could have just been the wind. We geared up and made entry. Since the day shift had come in, there were now four of us. Coma and I from the night shift and two day shifters. We had Josh and Devin. Josh was Callsign Phantom, and Devin Callsign Sharpshooter. We all took one floor and did a full sweep. I took the basement, Coma on the ground floor, Phantom third, and Sharpshooter on the fourth. Everything was going pretty smoothly. That is, until the radio cracked the life. Team, be on alert. have the balcony door opened on the fourth floor with footprints, Sharpshooter said. It looks like someone made a makeshift grapple hook and climbed a rope to the balcony. On edge, everyone checked in and continued the sweep. As I'm almost through my floor, I hear a noise coming from the last room that I needed to clear. As I prepared to enter the room trying to be as quiet as possible, the radio cracked again ground floor ASAP, and then pair up to finish the sweep. Fuck. I thought that whoever was in this room knows I'm here. Less than a second later, the door swings open, and a man then rushes at me swinging a knife, cutting my forearm, trying to get up to the stairs. I radio that we have an armed Tango headed to the stairs from the basement. As I get to the last stair, I lunge forward, and I grab the man by the ankle causing him to fall forward onto the ground floor landing. I fought to free the knife and get on top of him, just as Coma threw handcuffs on him. As we got his ID and information, we put the story together. Apparently, he was a recently fired employee. The reason he was let go was because of less jobs coming in, and the money was getting tight, and since he was the last hired, he was the first to be released. But when he heard the family was going on a lavish vacation, he got enraged and drunk, and he decided to break into the house while they were all on vacation, then hide in the house until they got back. The scariest part was that the room he was hiding in, he had enough chairs for the entire family, with robes, duct tape, multiple hunting knives, two bottles of gasoline, and matches. I got 27 stitches out of the ordeal, and while he told the police he was just wanting to talk to the owner, All of the evidence left behind tells a much, much scarier story. I'm not really sure what else ended up happening to him, but I definitely hope he got the help he most definitely needed. My name is Renee. I'm a 19-year-old female living in North Carolina. I went to college for two years and I then dropped out my sophomore year. When i returned home i got a fast food job just to have some money in my pocket until i figured out my next move when i worked at this job i worked mostly night shifts since they paid the most money it was pretty simple and it wasn't that busy so i was just on my phone most of the time anyway one night around 2 a.m i had heard a noise on the headset which meant someone had pulled up to the drive through i just did the usual Hello, what can I get for you? The person in the car didn't respond and instead pulled up to the window. I then opened the window and I told them they had to order at the speaker, not at the window. They then proceeded to ask me if I had change for a $20 bill. I told them I couldn't give them change unless they bought something. Then they asked me again and again. I told them the same answer. The driver ended up saying, how hard is it to just give us change?" I told them that I wasn't allowed to do that and they had to buy something first or go somewhere else, and then I closed the window. The driver got out of the car and started banging on the window, then tried to open it. I went and got the manager that was closing with me that night, and I told her the situation. She then told me to stay in the office while she went to handle it. Around 15 minutes later, I had heard police cars around the building. Apparently, the people in the car pulled out a gun on my manager and basically tried to rob her. My manager and I gave descriptions to the police, and we closed the store early, then went home. I never heard anything else from the incident, but I'm just really relieved me and my manager survived that night, as it really could have ended up a whole lot worse. I work in the medical field now as a CNA, and I've always been really interested in physical science, but I'm also interested in psychology. I plan to go back to school to become a psych nurse to meld those two interests together, and I know I can do well at it because of my previous job experience. This previous job experience required no experience, and looking back, I'm not really quite sure why I didn't. This job was the first of this kind that I had ever tried my hand at, and it had a very high turnover rate. It was stressful, and I even went home in tears a few times. I worked second shift, 1500 to 2300. This job was at a mental facility. It's a step-down facility from the state mental ward. This means that we couldn't use restraints as a facility, unlike the ward that can, but this place... It had a spiel. We're one of the only 30 facilities throughout the entirety of the United States that deal specifically with people with schizophrenia. There were over 120 residents and usually only five to seven staff members at any given time. You would think this would be a controlled environment, but you would be wrong. There were no fences, no gates, no locking doors, no knives and no way at all to defend yourself. Some of the residents got violent. I had a number of things thrown at me, not limited to burning cigarettes and bodily fluids. I have been grabbed, shoved, kicked, scratched, and punched, and hands thrown at me. One person would try to bite. Another sharpened the handle of a toothbrush and nearly shanked me. But then you have the quiet ones. They usually keep quiet because they're listening to the voices, and you have to watch their body language closely just to make sure they're not about to rush anyone we also had a group of residents that were court ordered to be there for the most part they were calm mainly because they didn't want to go back to jail i got put in charge of that group after an incident in the med line where i stood in between two of them starting to fight hands were being thrown over me but i stood my ground and i told the one resident to stop if he hit me i would be able to do nothing but he would go back to jail things died down quick. It was overall a good job, but the mood of the place was like walking through dense fog. The strong delusions of the residents. One of them told me that her toilet was clogged because her roommate had been pregnant the previous year with devil dogs. That she gave birth, freeze them, and had just tried to flush them. But what always got to me was the walkers. The people who would just walk in pace while mumbling nonsense usually it was just nonsense but sometimes it was very to the point i would hear about crimes murder rape things the voices were telling them to do i made the mistake of asking what the voices were telling a very distraught resident to do his face changed he very calmly made eye contact and he told me he was going to kill me strangle me with his bare hands until i stopped kicking Another one that paced would take me by the face and staring into me, telling me I had beautiful eyes. I would have to gingerly back away and report it because she was being symptomatic. She had actually gouged her own mother's eyes out. The worst of it was at night. Many of the residents had insomnia, and if the Syroquil didn't knock them out, they would pace around the grounds of the facility in the dark. To be walking in the dark and hear footsteps turn and quicken behind you, knowing full well you're surrounded by people not in their right minds, and then hear manic laughter. Well, you turn to eyes. Don't panic. Don't show fear. You have to steer yourself, then turn and face them. Hi, can I help you? Are you doing all right? The response back was always something along the lines of, Fine. Even though they were yards from you moments ago, and now they're right up to your nose. The strangest one that I could never figure out was the full adult handprint on the inside of my car. I had locked it. It had an alarm. But there I found it. Fogged on the inside of my back window. Single, alone. Nothing disturbed in the entire car. It was the end of the shift at this point, and I know it wasn't there at the beginning. The doors were all still locked too and my car keys have been in my bag in a locker the entire shift. That's all I have for that one, but I do have more. I'm currently working at a nursing home on second shift. The sundowners can really be a handful. The scary encounter happened to me when I left my homeland of Australia. I didn't really have a choice. I had just gotten out of a very abusive two year marriage, yet I still wasn't free from my ex-husband. It was a very painful choice to leave behind my family as we were extremely close, as well as leaving my country, Australia, but I needed to make a change for my own future happiness. Here's a little background. I'm a fitness professional and an elite athlete. I decided to move to LA the fitness capital of the world. I packed my whole life into two suitcases and I then set off to start a new life. I was filled with excitement and anxiety and fear of the unknown. I had nowhere to live, no job or family or friends. I was on my own. I touched down in LA, checked into my hotel and started to look for a place to live and a job. I found a great apartment one street back from Melrose Avenue. It was a great location, as I didn't have a car, so basically I just walked everywhere. After a week of handing out my resumes, I had landed a great position as a head trainer at a 24-hour gym. I was so excited, the gym was only a 25-minute walk from my apartment. My shift was from 4pm to midnight, which I loved. I got to train during the day, which was perfect. I had settled in beautifully. I had made some really great friends, and I had also met a really great guy. He was from Canada. Life was finally falling into place, and it felt great. Now coming from Australia and being raised on property life was pretty drama free. So walking home from work in LA at midnight, I truly never gave it much thought. Don't get me wrong, I was always careful but I was never really worried. What an idiot I was. On this particular night, I would stayed late as my coworker was running late for their shift. No big deal. I left the gym and I started my walk home around 1am. Now my walk home was mostly very well lit on the main drag. However, the street I lived on was extremely dark with lots of trees. My apartment was about 200 meters down after you went off the main drag. It was a beautiful night. As I was walking home, I had noticed a very large dark-skinned man standing at the bus stop. The bus stop was just before my street. This guy was about 6 foot tall and at least 300 pounds. A big guy. Now remember, I'm a fitness professional, so I know physiques, and I noticed him right away. We made some eye contact, and I instantly felt the hairs go up on my back of my neck, and I felt panicked. The guy wasn't checking me out like, oh, she's cute. Oh, no. I felt his intentions right there through that stare, and they were not good. I could feel my stomach turning, and my heart was beating right out of my chest, as if I had just finished the 100-meter Olympic final. As I walked right past him with a purposeful walk, I could feel his eyes boring into my soul. I didn't dare look at him again. I really didn't want any type of conversation with him or give him any opportunity to approach me. So I walked past him, and with every step as I walked by, I could feel my pulse quickening. When I finally passed him, my fear only increased, as I then realized he's now behind me and I can't see him. I'm a strong-fit woman, 5'7", at 135 pounds, but I'm clearly no match for a big guy like him. As I turned onto my street, the terror was now full on reality as my street is pitch black. No street lights and lots of trees as I mentioned before. I was walking so fast now, I reached into my hip pouch and I pulled out my keys, placing them between my fingers and held on tightly. My heart was pounding in my ears. All of a sudden, I hear these really loud footsteps running up full speed behind me. I spun around to see this big, huge guy standing right in front of me, and I screamed out loud. He then grabbed me with both hands, clutching my clothes. I was still clutching my keys, and I had punched him in the face as hard as I could. Right at about that time, I then saw a car driving down my street towards us. The car started to flash its lights and beep the horn, This sent the big guy scrambling off, and he ran away. As the car then pulled over, I jumped back away, as the person in the car then rolled down the window. I was crying hysterically. The adrenaline was pumping, and I was just trying to make sense of what had just happened. The person then told me to get in the car, that they'll drive me home. They said that they worked out at my gym, and that they recognized me. They also showed me their membership and license. And they then said, "'Please get in the car. I just want to help you.' "'That guy went into the car in the alleyway. "'There's actually two guys, and I don't think they're done messing with you.' My mind was racing as I then got into his car. I was crying so hard as the realization then washed over me of what just happened and what could have happened. I know that night I had a very special angel watching over me. That experience opened my eyes as well as my awareness to all of my surroundings. When you feel something isn't right, trust your inner voice. I'm so very glad I did. That night is a night that I will never forget, and the sound of those heavy footsteps will forever be etched into my brain. I don't ever want to experience anything like that again. Stay safe, and stay alert.